Welcome to the Dave Squared Podcast. I'm David Kramer, coming to you from Northern California. And I'm Dave Blasco from Arizona. Dave and I have been friends since the early 1980s when we were college roommates. And we finally found a medium to share our wisdom with the world, or at least our opinions. Between us, we have two engineering degrees, two master's degrees, an economics degree, 60 years plus of work experience, and probably eh, 40,000 hours of television watching. (laughs) And we're making this podcast together to try to help each other, and hopefully you, the listener, save some money. But we digress again. Mr. Kramer, what's the topic today? Today, we are once again talking about the presidential debates amongst the Democratic candidates. That sounds interesting. I'm not sure we'll be able to uh, tie that back to money savings, but it'll be interesting to talk about. Uh, We'll look for some tips to glean from it. Um, So this is round three of the debates, even though it was night five. Um, That's confusing. It certainly is. It's like uh, watching Star Wars movies. First one is number four. (laughs) I can't keep track of it all. (laughs) Uh, So this was, uh, we're down to only 10 candidates on the stage. That's crazy. I think, uh, what, round one, we had 10 candidates each night across two nights. Yes. And I have to admit, and maybe it's just my short attention span as uh, uh, Jen and Gen Xer, uh, oh, whatever I, whatever millennial thing I am, uh, whatever generation we are, but baby uh, boomer wannabe. There you uh, go. Yeah, Gen Xer, maybe you're right in the middle. We are both. We're both kind of on the cusp of each of those generations. Yeah, I didn't find this as interesting as the first couple. I guess because uh, they're not uh, dancing like monkeys for me enough. It's getting old, right? It's the same old blah, 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 blah. (laughs) Yeah, they did evolve a bit, though. Um, I did notice uh, uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren once again wore bright red, which uh, I think think she's signaling to Republicans, I really am one of you. Don't listen to what I'm saying. I I took more copious notes than last time around. Focusing on the important things that we focus on, superficial things like height and hairstyle, and what color tie folks wore. Yeah, unfortunately, none of that seems to have changed, but I, I did make some notes on it. Um, uh, so, who was tallest this year? We lost our, our tallest candidate. I thought that, you know, I thought that myself. So, I did take notes because you asked me questions, and I think historically I'm only getting about a quarter of them right. So I, I will tell you that I took pictures of the TV of each of the candidates and all the candidates together so I could ace your quiz. But one thing I did notice, we focused on the height of the candidates. We've lost the tall people, haven't we? Yeah, it seems like uh, either those uh, rules of thumb were completely wrong or possibly the Democrats are screwing up the primary process. <laughs> Interesting. So I'm going to say... Um, the tallest candidate, I, I think it's either Beto or I think it's Booker. Yeah, I think so. I was wondering if they were standing on stools behind the uh, behind their lecterns there because they all seemed surprisingly close to the same height. I would have thought that uh, a Beto O'Rourke would be a good six eight inches taller than uh, Elizabeth Warren, but they didn't look that way. 
Yeah, I, I, interesting. I'm, I'm looking at a picture right now that I took. I, um, I took a picture of the 10 candidates on stage, and it's kind of from an angle, and I took a picture of each one because you're going to ask me questions. But uh, I'm looking at Warren right now. She's not standing on a podium. I can't tell if Klobuchar is or not because of the angle, but it, it doesn't appear that Beto, anybody is standing on a podium at all. It looks like they're huh. on the floor. Yeah, and I noticed that uh, both of our um, prospective knife fight championships have uh, didn't make the one dropped out and the other didn't qualify for the debate. So we might have a new knife fight champion, which we'll save to the end, which is really the most critical question for our uh, listeners out there. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, and I was trying to. I didn't count the blue eyes this time, but there's still a lot of blue eyes, much more than the standard in the in the population. I think. Yeah, we had noticed that in the earlier debates, there was a high propensity for people with blue eyes, which is uh, a, what do they say, a recessive trait, right? Yeah. What was that? Um, who did you think did the best job speaking Spanish? We've had a lot of Spanish speakers. And I'm trying to think, oh, I, well, I thought the funniest one was Booker when he said no in Spanish. <laughs> that got a big laugh at my household. But from a Spanish perspective, I would say probably Mr. Castro probably did the best job. Uh, yeah, I would agree that one moderator was pretty aggressive about the uh, Latin American, Hispanic American issues. Oh, uh, Mr. Ramos, right? Yes. Yeah, he was kind of mean to the Democrats, considering how he was abused by uh, President Trump. That's a good point. That's a good point. But I guess that's the deal. We got to figure out a way to winnow this down to somebody tough enough to win the uh, win the final election. Yeah, I did notice. Uh, I mean, Julian Castro seems pretty fluent in Spanish. I think Beto is as well. You know, Beto spoke a little bit in Spanish. Corey. Booker knows some Spanish, but it's interesting. He did not uh, really try this time, but he made the quip about saying no in Spanish, which uh, got a laugh, at least a laugh out of uh, my household. Yeah, it seems like uh, being a vegan helps your performance in the debate. That, and, uh, <laughs> and then, but Buttigieg, I think, knows six or seven languages. I'm not sure if Spanish is one of them, so maybe he should come back and speak in some other language that the other candidates can't get as a, uh, a way to get ahead. Yeah, win the Norwegian vote. <laughs> oh, my goodness sakes. Uh, that was a long debate. Three hours is a long time to watch, much less stand behind a lectern at 77 years old. I know. We, we, I thought uh, initially, I think um, we thought that it was going to be two hours. So we were waiting to eat dinner and then we finally realized, oh, it's going to be three hours. So we, so we started eating dinner in the middle just because it was going to go to what, eight o'clock our time. Yeah, I didn't. I finally gave up. I didn't watch all of the closing statements because I had to time slip it to drive the kids around. So I didn't start watching it till after seven, and I can't stay up past ten. <laughs> I gotcha. But they did. They did end early, so I think some of the earlier rounds went to the very end. We're kind of rushed for time, but the the whole thing I think was over like ten or fifteen minutes earlier than the allotted time. So who did you think had the single best performance if you had to pick a winner just based on this debate who would you pick hmm. 
it, it's interesting. I w- I'm probably going to go with Elizabeth Warren just because I think she always sounds very articulate. Um, she always comes across well-spoken and knowledgeable. So I'm going with Elizabeth. I can see that. I think she had the second most uh, speaking time. But I'm going to go with Cory Booker because he did make me laugh. Um, and he has a lot of energy. He d- definitely came off as a very positive vibe. There was some negative vibe going on, and he definitely comes off as uh, very positive, and I think people uh, really like that. So I can see where that will take him far, just by being you know, very positive, even on very tough issues. Uh, on the flip side, who did you think had the worst performance? I'm going to go with Castro because, uh, I mean, a lot of folks have talked about this, his interaction with Biden, and uh, I don't think it's going to serve him well. I think it's going to come off as a kind of a negative interaction. And I think his previously in the other two debates, I think he's handled himself pretty well and comes off as pretty sharp and articulate, but I think that's not going to help him with the voters. Yeah, he overdid. I, I agree with you. I think it hurt him more than helped him. The only thing I could think is if he was designated as um, the counterpuncher. Well, it's not actually counterpunching, but the attack dog, because he would make a a good vice presidential candidate. So if he has a secret deal with Warren to try and point out that Joe Biden is old, um, that would make sense. But aside from that, I think he hurt himself, whereas before his aggressiveness probably helped him. Yeah, so I, I think a lot of people made that same sort of comment that, uh, you know, kind of a, a really going after Joe and pretty going after really hard. is It's okay to make that comment once or twice, but just wouldn't let it go. Probably is not going to help him. Particularly when it seems like he was wrong, that uh, uh, Joe did, did not say what he was accusing him of forgotten. And that's what it appears to be, right? So that doesn't uh, bode well for you, although probably most folks maybe didn't stay around for the uh, post-debate analysis. Yeah, after 10. Um, yeah. So uh, I don't disagree with that, but I thought uh, Kamala Harris kind of hurt her case there. I'm not sure what she was going for uh, with her kind of breezy, airy, um, funny thing, but I I thought it fell pretty flat. Gotcha. Um, yeah, she, I, th- I thought she did fine, but didn't Im- didn't impress me. I, I like the more... She doesn't speak in a direct style, I think, sometimes that I think hurts. I, I, I like Elizabeth Warren just because she speaks very directly in a very direct style that's simple and fewer words. Yeah, you wonder how much of that is just the preparation. In, and as, as Senator Warren mentioned, oh, 18 or 19 times, she was a school teacher before she was a lawyer. So that might be better preparation for the the campaign uh, in that if you can explain things to uh, a small child, that's probably more equivalent to trying to explain things to a voter than uh, explaining things to a judge. That's a good point because you may not be getting a lot of time. Voters are maybe not going to give you a lot of time. So that's probably a good skill to have. Um, yeah. And I think uh, Bernie Sanders did fine. Uh, but I don't think he really helped his case in any way. Yeah, he. I think he did fine. He didn't. I was looking at the word count, and he didn't get that much speaking time, considering the, um, uh, you know, that he's running, you know, tied for number two in the polls, if you will. Yeah, it's really starting to feel like it might be a three-person race. 
all of them septuagenarians, but uh, Elizabeth Warren's the youngest of the septuagenarians. <laughs> oh my goodness sake. So, so some of the uh, younger candidates may be thinking, hey, maybe I can be a VP candidate and bring the average age down by a decade or two. <laughs> Uh, I also thought uh, Mayor Pete did quite well. Yeah, I, I think I think he I think he did pretty pretty well. I mean, he's an articulate guy, super smart guy, right? So when he talks, he usually does pretty well. It doesn't get um, tongue tied. Has things fairly concisely uh, summarized. So yeah, I think he did a good job as well. Yeah. Uh, Congressman O'Rourke got himself a lot of attention and spoke very eloquently and had a lot of energy, but uh, I think he's hurting the cause in the red states by um, talking about taking people's guns away. It certainly seems that um, not a um, certainly seems that that might be get played back on a uh, ad in the fall. Uh, uh, probably I, I can see that on a uh, anti-democratic ad in the fall. Um, getting folks in red states fired up about not voting for the Democratic candidate because they're going to take your guns away. Yeah, there's a lot of one-issue voters, and um, that could, well, though many of those are already way off the Democrats anyway. So maybe it's just a, a question of moving moving the goal line a bit so we can negotiate to a better moderate outcome. Yeah, hard, time will... Time will tell for sure. I'm, I'm sure he probably said what was on a lot of people's minds, but in this day and age, probably hard to come out with that position because you get attacked for it and you have a lot of folks who would worry about that and make that the single choice, right? Uh, yes. And uh, Mitch McConnell is uh, still there. And if, if you can't get these things to the floor of the Senate to get voted on, then there's uh, having... 80 or 90 percent of the population behind it doesn't matter zero chance of passage uh yep but uh democracy isn't all all uh fairy dust and roses yep all right so i i wrote down some important criteria that we talked about before so i was thinking about ties we focus on folks ties yes and who do you think had the the best tie out of the group I thought uh, Joe Biden did the best job tying his tie. Gotcha. What, who did you think? Um, you know, I was more, uh, you know, I didn't think about those so much. I was more focused on color and who wore red and who wore blue and what color of blue it was. But um, looking at the picture here, Joe did have a nice tie. There weren't any large, um, some of the previous candidates that had the big, super large knots weren't there this time. They had been mm -hmm. removed from the debate stage. So I think um, I'll look pretty conservative. And uh, Andrew Yang, again, went, went tieless. So we had one of the candidates with a tie, one of the, I should say, gentleman candidates with a tie, and then none of the ladies wore a tie. Yeah. Uh, O'Rourke did a pretty good job tying his tie. Um, Though, as we're talking, I'm thinking maybe the right answer is to wear a tie that's uh, appropriately patriotically colored and uh, tie it poorly to appeal to the everyman who understands you have to dress up for formal occasions. But if you're too good at it, maybe you're too fancy pants. 
<laughs> oh my gosh, that's a lot to unpack and think about in terms of voters' thought processes. But uh, I noticed that Booker and Biden had red ties, and I believe the other gentlemen had blue ties, although they were differing levels of blue. Some were towards the light blue side, and some were kind of a darker blue. Oh, but somebody had had uh, somebody had a striped tie. That's one thing I noticed. Oh. Uh, Sanders had a striped tie. I don't know if you noticed that. He had, it was like light blue, dark blue, and white stripes. So he was the only candidate that I noticed had a striped tie. Yeah, I think there's some feedback that, uh, well, it might be old news now, but the striped ties can be blurry on a TV set and uh, that you're better off with solid shirt, solid jacket, solid tie. Hmm. Gotcha. I had not heard that, but it's interesting as I look at this picture here, kind of from the side, when I look at Sanders' shirt, I can't tell what color shirt he has, because it looks kind of blurry. Interesting. Huh. Hey, I wonder if, if, since you have a 4K TV, if you have enough um, pixels that you could zoom in and see which one of them has the Illuminati uh, symbol on their tie. (laughs) I can't get that picture. Because they don't want the poor people that just have 1080 to see it. Maybe you need 8K. To see the Illuminati symbol. Uh, not to uh, uh, go down a rabbit trail, but did you see that LG released a 80-some-inch 8K TV? No, I did not see that. What's that cost? A million dollars? No, it's like 45000 Wow. That's a lot you don't- of money for a TV. <laughs> it's supposed to be spectacular. I'll bet it is. <laughs> I have to read about it in the paper because it's not going to be in my house. All right, so we talked about the ties. Now, um, I was interested in what the ladies were going to wear, and I think I think all the ladies wore pantsuits with a jacket. They all wore jackets. I wasn't paying enough attention to see them when they weren't behind a lectern, so I didn't notice whether they were wearing pants or not. I believe they all wore pants. I'm looking at the picture. I believe they all wore pants and a jacket. There was some, you know, I think we were up in the air about whether somebody was going to wear a dress or not, but it appeared they all went for the jacket and the pants. I listened to the interview on the NPR Politics podcast of Elizabeth Warren. I don't know if you heard that, but she wears a uniform, um, which includes that different color jackets, but I think she always wears black slacks and a black top. And she says she can get dressed in the morning in six minutes. Wow. Makes life easy, though, if you have something like that, right? And you just mix and match the tops, I guess. Yeah, you got to respect that. Um, That's uh, the one thing you can't buy is time, right? Those people work a lot of hours. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Same thing. So she she got that she's got that black top, and she's got I'm sorry, black like shirt, and then the red jacket. Yes, and I noticed that um, uh, Senator Harris wore kind of a chunky necklace, which I think is sort of a stand-in for a tie that helps women look more um, more dressed. Yeah, it was like a. I'm looking at it right now. There, it's almost like pearls, and there's like a big set, and then there's like a smaller set, a double thing. Interesting. Gotcha. On a, a quasi-related note, I noticed there used to be uh, there was a scandal about some candidate a couple elections not wearing the uh, flag lapel pin, U.S. flag lapel pin. So I was trying to notice that. Um, and uh, Booker was the only one I noticed that did not wear a lapel pin. Interesting. I'm going through the pictures, and maybe it's 
I, I don't see one on Julian Castro. I may, could be missing it. I don't see one on Amy Klobuchar. I don't see one on Beto. I don't see one on Corey. Yang has one on. Yep, Yang had a traditional flag one on his right lapel, I think. Yep, without but no tie. So no um, tie. I Pete, who is a uh, the only uh, person to serve, I think, in the military, if I'm correct, I don't see a pin on Pete. I don't see one on um, Senator Harris. Bernie has what the heck does Bernie have? He had a button there, and I can't figure out what it was. I can't. I yeah. I'm curious anymore. about that because it's not a standard flag. It's uh, a round brass thing that has some kind of similar writing on it. Yeah, I, I, I guess I couldn't figure out what that was. And then Joe had the uh, uh, flag lapel pin and uh, Elizabeth Warren did not. So interesting because that used to be the thing. I, I suspect in the Republican debate, that's uh, everybody's got to wear one of those or else. Yeah, and it's an interesting thing. Thing I wear a couple of different ones of those. We have uh, I wear one that's got our company logo on it that was quite professionally designed, and I have another one that's from the, the professional society that I was past president of a of a local chapter. Mm-hmm. And I'd I'd recommend people taking advantage of that if you're wearing a blazer to functions, professional functions. That if you give people something to talk about it helps with the the small talk oh because then they can ask you what the lapel pin is right right and you can give a little bit of history and then follow up with them see if they have something similar um help us uh introverts uh get off the off the wall gotcha very interesting never i never thought about that i don't really have an opportunity to wear a, a suit and tie too much uh in my line of work i think the last time i wore a suit and tie was uh, to a wedding here about a year ago or so yeah but you think about it when you are used wearing a uh, a jacket it's probably a somewhat stressful time where there's lots of people there that you don't know and don't know you and it'd be good to good to have a reason to talk to people okay so we'll find the uh lapel pin that no one knows about <laughs> to get that illuminati one <laughs> oh my goodness sakes all right. So, what other kind of we've uh, what other things were catching your attention with the candidates from our superficial perspective? Um, I did, as you say, I noticed we're down to the last uh, armed forces veteran is uh, is uh, Mayor Pete, Mayor Pete, who, who isn't in the center there. Um, I thought. I still think. Well, now Bernie has undisputed the worst hair of the bunch. That is a terrible haircut. <laughs> I did. I did take a look at the hair because I know we're going to talk about this. I think it was a little bit unkempt. It, it kind of reminds me of when my hair is kind of when I'm kind of on the edge of getting a haircut, right? And I look at myself and say, "Oh, probably need to get a trim there because looking a little wild, if you will." Yeah, but it is. I could see it coming across as more honest because when he's standing next to Biden, who has much better posture, is much more put together, but. You can also, I think you can see scars on his face from plastic surgery. I might be imagining that. And if you see him from behind, it sure looks like that hair is uh, uh, plugs, transplants. Ah, interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I think Bernie could have used a haircut and he needs to work on standing up straighter. Yeah, he's putting a lot of weight on that lectern there. 
and I, I don't know, superficial stuff. I, we kind of covered all the funny stuff. Um, I don't know who would win a knife fight out of this crew. Well, we had posed that question, I think, in the last round, and I was going to go with Mayor Pete just because he has a military training, so he probably had to engage in some sort of hand-to-hand combat training as part of being in the military, although he was a, um, I think he, he was a military intelligence officer. So our ever-important question about who would win against Vladimir Putin in a knife fight, I'm going to go with Mayor Pete, although Corey Booker is a pretty big guy, and I think we figured out that he played football, I think, at one point in his career. He may have a he if he could get if he could get a hold of Vlad and kind of get him then I think he maybe w- could get him. Yeah, he's got a little more reach and of course the vegan superpowers. <laughs> so I'm I'm going to say our best chances are with maybe Mayor Pete who would do it through uh, skill and Corey probably skill and just sheer size to overpower. <laughs> uh yeah, Mayor Pete would probably call it an airstrike. <laughs> No, I'm sure he has some hand-to-hand <laughs> combat skills. Uh, bring a bring a drone to a, a knife fight. That's a good way to win. <laughs> <laughs> so I I don't know. I got to tell you, I'm not feeling great about the whole thing. It seems like uh, Biden is could quite easily stutter and stumble his way in talking about record players and websites versus and still get nominated because uh, old people vote a lot and um, they remember him as being relatively young and handsome and i, I think he he won't do well in the debates against a uh, donald trump who's who's not a fair fighter he is not a fair fighter but not they're pretty close in age though but uh, boy what a tough last question that whole question about that was a question you had to think about and have to go first it, it was really um, hard to answer that last question because you had to think about your life experiences and that was kind of one of those things where you want to think about a minute or two but of course when you're on the debate stage you don't have a minute or two to think about that and the people that went last had a lot more time to think about that last question which I think was somewhat unfair I I agree with that that was put you in a tough spot because you got to think fast and you've been up there for over two hours under the lights uh, but hey it's uh he also got to stand right in the middle of the stage and got the most speaking time. So nothing, nothing good is free. Yeah, tis tis true. I was that that was one of the kind of my shocks. Like, wow, what a hard question at the end to have to relate personal experience and how you persevered. And wow, that was that was a tough question. Rather yeah. than rather than just a policy question, right? People, they're all expecting policy questions about a myriad of issues, which they practice for. But I'll bet no one practiced for that question. Yeah, if you had the question in advance, you'd want to go first on that. Uh, so the best one there would probably be to go second or third. So maybe you could do a callback, get a little time to think. But uh, uh, with 10 people there, you wouldn't be repeating. Like, like what's most important to you? Uh, my family. Uh, what's most important to you? My wife. Damn it, I should have said that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the next debate round four, I was just reading this morning, looks like there might be 11 candidates qualifying. So I think the DNC hasn't said yet, but it looks like they're going to spread it across two nights, potentially with with at least 11 candidates maybe qualifying. So it should be interesting to see what happens there. Yeah, it seemed like this one would be good to see some people go head-to-head who hadn't had that matchup before. Um, But it it was kind of boring. 
everybody had toned it down a bit, except for Castro. Yeah, yeah, except for that piece, right? And then they all toned back, um, <laughs> making disparaging remarks about the previous Democratic president, which I think everybody got feedback on that. Like, let's not bash President Obama in this debate. Yeah. All right. So I think we've covered most of that. Any any closing thoughts on uh, debates or presidential candidates or democracy in general? Uh, I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be. It's going to be interesting. And I'm surprised that we have this many candidates this far in this far into it, frankly. But uh, it should be in, in, interesting next uh, what thir- uh, fourteen months or something like that. Yep. All right. So. Uh, let's, uh, wrap it up with our segment on Dave Saves, where one of us shares a, uh, nano-economic skill that could save you a couple of, couple of bucks this week, but perhaps thousands of dollars over your lifetime. No pressure. Yeah, yeah here's, here's my tip. I've been looking at my car insurance, so two, two, this is a two-piecer. Um, I have, I own, um... I have four cars in my household. <laughs> um, a couple of those cars don't get driven that much. So one tip for listeners, if you drive about 6,000 miles or less, and I have two cars that drive 6,000 miles or less, there are some companies who are starting to offer um, car insurance by the mile. So it might be something you want to check out. One of the companies uh, is called Metro Mile, and they could save me some money. So listeners, check out that tip. On the flip side, I did call my current insurance company, and for whatever reason, the my policies had gone up and these are cars that are essentially like one year older. It should be cheaper because they're worth less money. Right. And uh, they they said, oh, Mr. Blasco, we hadn't run your credit check in a while. And I thought, isn't that just normal? And they re-ran the credit check and took my bill down $172. So the takeaway there is a lot of times it, it pays to call about your bill. Um, so just, you know, just by doing that, made 172 bucks on my car insurance. So you called the insurance carrier directly? You didn't my go cur- through a broker? Correct. Yeah, I, I have Geico right now, and I call them directly. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a good tip. And I called them and complained. And I said, you know, I'm I'm all my I'm three of the, three of the cars that I own, or I've had the same car last year and this year. The policy should go down because the car has depreciated and it's worth less money. So, um, and I was surprised it went up in some cases. And now I don't know what they do that's different, but it just kind of struck me as odd. And I kind of know that Geico is the cheapest because I've been quoting my insurance every couple years. So I kind of knew they were the cheapest, but I said, hey, I'm thinking about going to Metro Mile because they can save me 500 bucks because I have this car that I drive 3,000 miles a year. Um, seems like I should pay less. And they say, what can we do for you? And they re-ran the credit check and saved me some money. Oh, awesome. That's great, Dave. Um, okay, well, let's wrap it up. And I will uh, talk to you shortly. All right. Take care. Yeah.